0: Hello there, it's Mike Williams with Genesis. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Um, This is another on uh, some of our philosophies on investing. We have another program called uh, Genesis Morning Insights, but that's more of a couple of times a week program. This one is more about bigger picture events. Uh, We call this secular waves of change. Uh, What do we really mean by that? And how in the world is that profitable to you? And what are secular waves as it relates to markets and investing and wealth management? Well, we all know what waves are. They, they are powerful events. We can watch them in the ocean and, and sometimes they're beautiful and majestic and we sit in awe of them and we can relax by their sound and we can watch the sunset over them. But other times, if we don't understand those waves, they can be destructive. Uh, much the same unfolds in a, uh, an investment program, and in the process by which you manage your wealth. Um, our goal here is to shed light on the difference between the good waves and the bad waves. So listen, today, uh, first of all, what's a secular wave? A secular wave is, is an economic event that will last for many, many years that could be five, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Um, Many of the larger secular waves are more generational and demographic in nature. Interestingly enough, uh, after doing a lot of studies on demographics and how that impacts various economies around the world, the United States finds itself uh, in one of the most unique circumstances of any country on earth and that is that we have two very active secular waves unfolding in our economy at the very same time at first is the baby boom uh, that's the uh, older generation that uh, has built so much in the united states and its economy for the last 30 years well they're going to next they're going to spend the next 25 years 30 years retiring so one by one they're going to start slowing down they're going to start relaxing spending money traveling doing the things they do, by a generational nature, they're the wealthiest of all time. Uh, Over 30 trillion dollars will be inherited from the baby boom. So many people fear that, uh, oh gosh, they're gonna hit 65 and one day later they're gonna be retired and never work again. That's not actually happening. If you look at any data, many 65 year olds are just starting their second business. So it's quite fascinating to watch. But remember, the characteristic of the baby boom was such that they always did things differently uh, throughout their lifetime. So anyway, the focus will be, what do you do in your retirement years? Well, you probably consider health care more. You probably want to be healthier. Maybe you eat better. Maybe there's healthier foods. Maybe there's organic foods. You're going to take possibly more vitamins. You're going to travel more. Well, what's involved in travel? Well, there's cabs, there's airports, there's planes, there's resorts, there's wherever you're going to arrive, there's the plane that gets you there. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating set of sectors. There's cruises, for example. Um, but, but that means that the baby boom, uh, think about it, all those sectors that I just defined will have somewhere around 75 million people participating in them for the next 20 or 30 years. So net effect is we've got the baby boom retiring and entering certain sectors of the economy and then we've got generation Y. Well generation Y has its own fascinating characteristics but that secular wave is interesting in that the the baby boom had massive impact on our on our economy if you look at the history Uh, Each time that egg, picture a giant egg going through a snake, the snake of course being the U.S. economy, and when a large number of people start doing the same thing at the same time in the same number of years, then you get explosive growth in particular sectors. You can also get explosive retraction or contraction in many of those sectors. So Generation Y are the kids of the baby boom. And interestingly enough, they're going to be growing up and building their lives for the next 30 years. They're going to build business. They're going to buy cars. They're going to buy houses. They're going to move out of the home. They're going to get a job. They're going to build a family of their own. So they're going to go through some of the same exact things that the baby boom went through. Interestingly enough, there's 1.22 Generation Y participants for every one baby boom. So if you thought the baby boom was big, Generation Y is 25% bigger. So what did we learn from the baby boom? We learned that they focus, they're a force of huge change as each stage of their life unfolded. When they began investing, a secular bull market was unleashed in the early 80s. When they began buying homes, we ran out of homes, and suddenly prices in homes skyrocketed. When they moved up, from their first home. McMansions were the favorite thing and they dotted the landscape everywhere you looked. When they had kids, schools burst at the seams and we ran out of teachers and everybody started complaining about not enough teachers because the classes were too large. So what can we prepare for from those indications with Gen Y? Well, first of all, they're a larger generation, just as I noted. Second, they're the first ones that have been brought up entirely on technology. They're a different kind of person. Their personalities are dramatically different. Uh, they're more productive. They, they are more efficient. They uh, like to live more than they like to work, which is why technology is so important to them. They can find ways to do more with less time so that they can enjoy life outside and travel and learn and Educate themselves, whereas the baby boomers just stuck in the offices all day and built businesses. And huge entrepreneurial explosions took place. But interestingly enough, baby, the Gen Y is is hungry for change. So as they enter the various parts of corporate life and start getting their jobs and taking on mid-management positions, this is still a few years in advance. But as they do it, we need to prepare for the fact that companies will become more effective more productive, their output will grow, and their margins will likely expand because technology will be driven through every stage of the company, even more so than the baby boom drove through it. So the question is, is how does that benefit you? Well, by understanding how that next egg will travel through the same snake of the United States economy, We can be prepared for those areas of the economy that will have the most impact as each stage unfolds, as they leave home, as they rent their first apartments, as they get their first job, buy their first car, and then get their first home and start their family and then keep repeating that cycle for the next 30 years. Think about that. If you know that 80 or 90 million people are going to be flowing through a certain doorway, for the next five or ten years then you know kind of hanging around that doorway likely presents opportunity as an investor we can begin to understand also where risk may lie you know as the baby boom leaves a certain buying sector well that sector is likely to face a weakened tailwind and as it weakens it will turn into a a headwind meaning Previous expectations will now be met with new realities and expectations make prices move. And as those expectations fall, prices will fall. So there are sectors of the economy that will feel headwinds and then there are sectors of the economy that will feel tailwinds as each of these secular waves unfold. So by knowing those items we can begin to understand where risk will rise and where opportunity may be unleashed. The most important impact of all? Well, by setting long-term goals and building plans around these events, long-term investors can build their wealth more effectively. They can stay disciplined and focused and if you know something is going to be a secular wave and last for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, then why in the world would you be worried about what happens in the headlines on Wednesday or next week or next month the point is is history shows over and over again that too many investors react too often to emotional events that are perfectly normal in the long-term structure of things and they are more effectively building their wealth if they react less if you simply let things unfold, if you have a long-term plan, if you have a good coach, and they help you through those areas that are often emotionally stressed, then the fewer emotional mistakes you can make, the better off you are in the end. And with much less uh, or much fewer of the, what we think are, as time goes on, expensive mistakes that take a toll on the crowd and their investment processes. What's the biggest thing they do? Well, they have this favorite saying that they call, I'm gonna sell what isn't working and buy what is working. Many of us have thought the same thing. It feels good to be in something that's working, quote unquote, working. It feels good to be in the right place when you hear about it on TV. It, it feels good to belong to the right popular thing. But what you'll find over time is that finding the unpopular thing first and then selling it to those that want it to be popular when it is popular um, that becomes a profitable process. It's called buying low and selling high. Um, That's a more effective end result because when I sell something that isn't working it's already down. Think about it in your own mind. When you say, oh that's not working You're not staring at a stock that went up a lot, are you? You're staring at a stock that went down. And when you say to yourself, "Oh, that stock's working or that mutual fund or that ETF, that's really working. Well, you're probably looking at a picture of a stock that went up, probably a lot. So what does that mean you're really doing? Well, you're buying what's already high and you're selling what's already low. And that's the emotional attack that's going on all the time. It's a battle and investors' minds, and you're carried away with it, sometimes subconsciously. But it's a powerful fight-or-flight process that always moves through investors' minds as stressful periods unfold in the markets. But keep in mind, secular waves help you look at the big picture, help you stay focused on the horizon, and not on the day-to-day events that drive so many people crazy. So let's think again about those waves. Our hope in these podcasts and various services we provide is that we can help investors prepare to be in front of as many of those waves as possible as they move through various sectors of the economy. Understanding that change, while discomforting at times, is often the birthplace of opportunity. In other words, change, while scary and sometimes volatile in markets, is the place where seeds of opportunity are actually planted. And for those that can act in strength and discipline and patience while others are running in emotional response, those are the parties that end up winning in the end of the wealth building process. So nothing happens overnight. Remember that. It's a long, tedious, patient-oriented process. We hope these ideas have helped you. We hope the idea of a secular wave makes more sense now. Feel free to ask any questions you might have at infogenesisinvestor.com. And thanks again so much for your time. We sure hope you have a great day.